Welcome to the United States Southern Command Women, Peace, and Security Breaking Barriers podcast. In each episode, we will host guests from the Defense and Security Forces in Latin America and the Caribbean to share powerful stories and provide valuable insight of women breaking barriers in preventing conflict and building peace. Our goal is simple, to make the invisible visible. Our host is Ambassador Jean Maines, a career diplomat who has served as the U.S. Ambassador to the Republic of El Salvador and now serves as the Civilian Deputy to the Commander and Senior Foreign Policy Advisor at U.S. Southern Command. She also has full oversight of the U.S. Southern Command Women, Peace, and Security Program. So here's your host, Ambassador Maines. Welcome, everyone, to our first inaugural podcast Breaking Barriers, Women, Peace, and Security. And we're so fortunate to have our very first guest on our podcast, Lieutenant Colonel Josette McLean. She's in Trinidad and Tobago, and she is the senior most woman in the Trinidad and Tobago Defense Force Regiment. She also serves as the Director of Strategic Initiatives and Gender Advisor. She's an advocate for military women, gender equality, and public procurement reform. She holds a master's in public procurement law and policy, a master of science and logistics, and a master of military arts and science from the U.S. Army. She has 24 years military logistics and command experience, and it is really a true privilege to have her here. She also attended Fort Leavenworth, where she graduated uh, there, and she's the only woman to command a regiment battalion. So, Lieutenant Colonel McLean, welcome to our podcast, Women, Peace, and Security, Breaking Barriers. It's a privilege to have you here. Thank you so much, Mom, and, and thank you for the, the opportunity. Um, I, I welcome any opportunity to where we can showcase the achievement of women. I think it's, it's very important. So, I thank you for this initiative. Well, we're so excited to listen to you today, and part of this podcast is As we travel across the hemisphere, we encounter incredible women such as yourself. And so to hear from you firsthand today on your experiences in defense and security. So let's get the conversation started. So what do you think are the greatest benefits of having women integrated at every level of the defense and security forces? Let me start off by saying the Trinidad Bigger Defense Force is a very young military. Um, last year, we would have celebrated uh, 40 years of women within the military. So, I mean, within the, the general scope, we, we, we're still very young. That being said, we have just under 700 women. So we represent about 14% of the, the military force. So, Within that 14 years, we have reached to, to great heights. We have had some of our senior enlisted women uh, reach into the pinnacle of the, of the career, so the pinnacle of, of where they can reach to, um, advising the chief of defense staff as a warrant officer class one. And we have had uh, our most senior women, uh, colonels, lieutenant colonels, and have commanded, well, I've commanded a battalion and we also have an acting commander, deputy commander of the air guard is also a woman. So that being said, over the 40 years of women in the military, we have had um, 
women being employed throughout the various uh, spheres of employment. So with that, what we have seen is increased uh, effectiveness within, within the military organization. And this would be for varied and complex operations, including um, things like information gathering. We also recognize that women's full employment is not just simply a, a woman's issue, right? Um, and it's not only important to women alone, but rather it hinges on the overall um, aim of operational effectiveness, because at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to, right? The military achieving its political aims. Where you have 14% of the force, or the potential for them to be marginalized, that's, that's if women are not considered and fully integrated within the force, it, it would have an impact on the overall operational effectiveness of the force. Right, so these effects, of course, would redound to society. It redounds to economic development, even within the families. So, where you have the integration of women across all ranks throughout the military, it impacts society as a whole. So, not just the the institution; it affects operational effectiveness and it affects society as a whole. And I think a positive effect. So, when you look at the forty years that you've had women in the military and you look at the 14% that women currently make up of your military, where do you see that headed in the years ahead and what structural changes have you seen over time that have enabled that you to get to 14% and then presumably to enhance that even further? So over the 40 years of women in the military, we have made significant strides. So our the, the first batch of women back in 1980, um, it was a, a platoon size uh, recruit batch of women, uh, just 30 women. So 30 women back in 1980 to 700 after 40 years is a significant, um, significant achievement. And we also have, after, I would have to say assistance through Colonel Carrizales, we have the establishment of the gender advisor, which is something that we've been clamoring for um, over the last few years. And this, the chief of defense staff has really uh, come on board with it and they've appointed me as the gender advisor. When you look at the role of the gender advisor and your role now, you know we're seeing across the hemisphere and also including in the United States, more and more appointments of gender advisors. So I'd be interested in how you're seeing that expansion. And then with that role, what are your goals in that role as gender advisor? We are now getting used to, um, so I'm, I'm literally just starting to develop uh, the, the framework for uh, how we rule out the gender advisor. Um, but so we, we looked at a couple other um, military organizations that have already ruled out their gender advisor. One of them, of course, is the US. We also looked at Canada. We looked at um, Jamaica. So I think within the next couple months, we will seek to uh, develop the framework in terms of staffing, uh, developing the, the roles, the policies, and all the other things that will come to support uh, the, the function of the gender advisor. And has there been wide acceptance of having that gender advisor role or what have been the barriers to, you know, looking at the real structural changes that you want to make? That's a very interesting question. 
the Transvega Defense Force has no um, no real written rules that uh, that prevent the employment of women across all lines, right? I think what we what we don't have is a, a clear understanding across uh, you know the whole spectrum of exactly what gender is and, and what we're trying to achieve by appointing a gender advice. It's a whole new um, narrative for us. Following an ad hoc working group, which followed the declaration of uh, Port of Spain at the conclusion of the 12th Conference of Defense Ministers of the Americas. So I, I think for us, it really started from, from that um, back in 2018. And we are yet to fully understand um, what that is going to look like for us. But I hope to, to add some clarity to this over the next couple of months. It's one of the interesting things that we're seeing across the hemisphere as we meet with the chiefs of defense and the ministers of defense. Some of them are still in the category of we're just trying to reach a quota and it's the politically correct thing to do. And then some of the chiefs of defense and ministers of defense now have a clear understanding that having women at every level really makes their societies more safe and really contributes to the overall security of the country. Where do you think you fall in that in your country? And what's the perception in the public about women being involved in defense and security? So I, I think for us, um, and certainly within the military, within the defense force, it's a little bit different for, for police. But for the defense force, I think, um, unfortunately, women are a bit invisible. And when I say invisible, I, I mean that um, we are not often on the front lines. We are not, uh, we don't often make the headlines. Um, so we're kind of unseen. We are in the background working, you know, keeping our heads on, doing our jobs, but we are largely invisible. Um, we're trying to change that. I think we have to change it. It's very funny you should mention about being invisible because, you know, one of the goals of our Women, Peace and Security program here at U.S. Southern Command is, in fact, to make the invisible visible. Because to your point, women are really doing incredible things. It's just not always visible to the public. So as you get into this role as gender advisor, are you thinking about ways to, to make women more visible or how are you approaching that goal of really giving visibility to the incredible work that's happening in your country? Following the, the declaration of policy back in 2018, uh, the CDS came back to us and he said, hey, what, I, I want to put together a program, right, that really highlights the work that women do and, you know, put you all in the, in the front line. And what we came up with was an initiative called the Chief of Defense Staff Military Women's Initiative. Um, the concept for this was gender equity in a framework of operational readiness. And it was really aimed at improving the performance and the experience as well as the visibility of women with a desired instead of improving operational readiness because what we wanted to ensure is that women were not being uh, sidelined, women were not um, being discounted in the overall you know, fight against crime and, and criminality, et cetera. So 
So we came up with a couple lines of efforts. Um, we looked at improving institutional and individual accountability, um, trying to, to value and strive for gender balance, um, embedding gender equity in all our workplace policies or practices or procedures, um, and really trying to ensure that the defense force uh, encourages a, a culture of accountability, inclusiveness, respect, fairness, and safety for all members of the force. So we came up with a number of initiatives. And again, we had the full, full support of Colonel Carrizales. Um, the, the first event that we had, so it was a policy development conference and workshop um, where we had uh, various members from um, that Colonel Carrizales sourced for us through uh, the, the military. So someone that we had was the commandant of the U.S. Army uh, Inspector General School. We also had a general advisor from Southcom. So the conference was structured in a way where um, the Defense Force, we looked at our issues and then we got the perspective of the U.S. And then we were able to marry the two and try to come up with um, initiatives, uh, different approaches, uh, policies that we wanted to, to develop um, moving forward. Um, and critical to that, uh, we came up with, with two policies. So unfortunately, we do not have a sexual harassment policy. And I know that is a, a big ticket. Um, it's, it's big tickets internationally. It's also important for us. So that is one of the policies that we're advocating for. Right. The other, the other one is a, um, a female operational readiness uh, policy where we look at issues specific to women and issues that would specifically affect their ability to perform their job. Right. Um, as a military, I don't think we've done that very well. So we're, we're trying to develop policies to try and address um, those two specific areas. We also had a number of fundraisers where we contributed to um, different NGOs. So we had a, a 5K fundraiser. We also had a theatrical production and all the proceeds we took and we donated to two, two charities which have a, a mandate to reduce violence against women and children. And the final effort under the initiative was the development of the gender affairs units, which we are currently working on. So coming out of um, the CDS, uh, coming up with his initiative, you know, we, um, we're really trying to push things that would place women in a, a better light, make us more visible, but also make our conditions for employment and operational um, effectiveness a little bit better. Really interesting about the specific steps that you're taking. And when you think about your 24 years, that you've had in defense and security and you think back, you know, what are some of the challenges that you faced and, you know, what's changed really in those 24 years in terms of the acceptance of women in this sector? Well, for sure, one of the things that I would have seen was an increase in the, uh, the various jobs that women are allowed to perform. Um, I would have also seen women reaching to uh, the highest levels within their careers. That is something that I've seen over my 24 years. Um, challenges. 
I think culture is one of our biggest challenges. Um, and it's one of the, the major things that I had to, to face. We're a very young military, and I don't think we paid enough attention to, um, to gender issues. Like I said, it's, it's really, an, it's something new that we've only recently started thinking about. Um, so there's never been any real uh, structure or any specific attention paid to it. So I think that would have been one of the, one of the challenges that I had to face, um, I guess, being a woman. What I've found is that I would have to work almost twice as hard as my male peers to get the same recognition. I, I would almost have to be over the top every single time in order to get the same recognition as my peers. What I've found is that because I am one of the first I think that is why that has been my experience. Because when I speak to the other younger women who have less experience, a lot of them have not faced that. So I think because of what I have gone through and others have gone through before me, um, it's actually easier for those who come after us. So because you really led the way women can be in these roles, you know, that's really benefiting the next generation. And of course, you're a role model to both men and women, but in particularly women coming into this field in your country. You know, what would you say to a woman considering going into the defense and security sector? And what would you say about the challenges, but also the rewards for someone considering this career? So I I come from a a military family, but I'm the, the first woman and I was the only woman for a long time in my family <laughs> to be in the military, right? Um, my niece recently joined. So um, I think the military could be a really rewarding career for, for women. You get the opportunity to, um, to almost be anything that you, you want to be. Uh, you get the opportunity to, well, I have had the opportunity to really make a difference because I think of, of where I have always stood within the organization. Um, I've been the most senior woman for a really long time. So a lot of these initiatives um, would have not only come from me, but it would also fall to me or redound to me. I would be the, the one that, um, that the commander calls on, you know, to, to come up with different initiatives for women. So I think because of what we have achieved over the last 40 years, um, the sky is the limit for women and they really would have a chance to um, to make a difference in society. And I think that's what it really redounds to, making a, a difference for other women um, who come after you. If you think through your career, you know, I'm sure you've had many proud moments serving your country, serving your population. But can you think of a story or an incident where it really, really made you proud that you had picked this career, that you had taken this road less traveled, this non-traditional role that trying to make a difference? Can you think of one of those that you want to share with our, our audience of listeners? There are so many. Um that's good that you have difficult <laughs> It means you have 24 years of proud moments. <laughs> I think maybe one of my proudest moments 
um, would have been, okay, maybe two. When I did the independence parade on horseback, that was, so generally being part of the independence parade, it's, a, um, it's always exhilarating. It's one of the things that the Trinidadian population looks forward to, right? Um, being a woman on parade, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's really, um, it's exhilarating. It's exhilarating, you know, just seeing the appreciation that the population has for you um, as a woman serving your country as you march through the streets is, is really um, one of my best experiences. And doing the Independence Parade on horseback, it was, I think, maybe one of, um, one of the pin pinnacles of my career. Thank you for sharing that. I can actually picture you on horseback riding through the streets with probably the national anthem playing and, you know, really representing your country. And, and they're so lucky to have you. As we close out this, this first podcast of our Breaking Barriers series, and again, you've had a career of Breaking Barriers, and I appreciate your leadership, not only in your country, but around the hemisphere. And as we try to make the, the invisible visible, and really raise the profile of the extremely talented women we have in defense and security across the hemisphere. What would you say to everybody listening, if there are one or two things that each of us can do to raise the profile of women, what advice would you give to us of things that we could do to really raise the profile? So firstly, I would say, and, and I've recognized this over my uh, 24 years in the military, Women need to support women. Um, I think that is that is critical, and I've I've learned um, over the years that it takes uh, it it takes women to actually raise the profile of of women. Of course, there's a rule for men. There's always a rule for men, but when you're speaking specifically about um, the things that women can achieve. We achieve a lot more when we work together, supporting each other. Um, we achieve a lot more. Uh, the, the second thing that I would want to say is, and, and maybe this pertains to a couple of years ago, I would say that we do exist. You know, similar to the Eminem and Santa Claus commercial. We do exist. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we do exist. And um, sometimes we have to be bold. If, if we are not put out there, we need to put ourselves out there, get involved in uh, various activities to raise the visibility of women and to raise um, the outputs that people, that people see. Because a lot of the times we are there in the background. We are indeed there, and it is our job to really raise the profile and the visibility of women across the hemisphere. So a special thank you to Lieutenant Colonel Josette McLean, the senior woman in the Defense Force of Trinidad and Tobago. Thanks so much for being here, and thanks to all of our listeners on this inaugural broadcast of Breaking Barriers, Women, Peace, and Security. Thank you so much, Mom. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for listening to the Women, Peace, and Security Breaking Barriers podcast. 
We hope that you will join us next episode as we share new stories and continue to make the invisible visible. This podcast is a production of the U.S. Southern Command's Women, Peace, and Security Program and the Florida International University Stephen Cruz Institute for Science, Media, and Technology. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the U.S. Southern Command or the Stephen Cruz Institute. The hosts, guests, and WPS team members receive no financial benefits for participating in this podcast. To learn more about our Women, Peace, and Security program, please visit southcom.mil and look under Lines of Effort.